going to start in Romans 12 this morning. Romans 12:6 says, having different, differing gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. All right, having different, differing gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. All right, so there's three words in this verse that I need to draw out and define for you and highlight, and then we're, we're going to go on. So the first one is the word grace. In Greek, that the New Testament is written in, that word is charis. Having differing gifts according to the charis, that's God's grace, God's favor and power that is given to us, let us use them. So the gifts that you have in your personality, your spiritual gifts, your strengths, your your wisdoms and knowledge and experience and what makes you you, that's all because of the grace of God. And the word there is charis. But the word gifts is charisma. Having different charismas according to the charis that is given to us, let us use them. Do you see that it's the same word? Yes? In Greek, it's the same word. So in English, charisma, um, it's, where the word we get, it's where we get the word charismatic. That means somebody who's extra exuberant and has great people skills and just lots of personality. We call it, we say that person has charisma, right? And it means gifts. In church circles, we use the word charismatic to mean tongues and holy rollers, okay? We are a charismatic church. We want the gifts of the Spirit. We want the charisma of God. We want the gifts of the Spirit operating in our church. But today, that's not my point. Today, I just want to point out to you the word gifts from God is the word grace. That God doesn't give us gifts because he's gracious. The gift that he gives us is his grace. Because of his charis, he gives us charisma. You with me? Whatever your gift is, We'll get to that in just a minute. It is the grace of God operating in your life. It's not just because he's gracious. It is him giving you his grace. And then the third word I want to point out is the word differing. Having differing gifts, having differing charisma, according to the chorus that is given to us, let us use them. Having differing gifts, according to God's grace, let us use them. I want to highlight the word differing because... You need to understand that God made us all different on purpose. You need to understand that your gifts are different from everybody else's on purpose because there's a heck of a lot of comparison and insecurity going around. That I wish I was more like that person or she always seems to have a neat house and I'm sure she never blows up at her kids and I'm just... I'm just not that way. Or why is that person a magical musician and I got zero music skill? There's jealousy, there's comparison, there's, there's insecurities that well, I'm not as good as that person and I ought to be and I don't understand why I'm not and you are who you are because of the grace of God. And the strengths and gifts that you have are according to his will and according to his grace. And whatever strengths and personality and gifts and experiences and knowledge and super talents that you have, that is God's grace operating in your life. Besides our own insecurity and our own comparisons and our own jealousies, 
Then the devil likes to speak up in there and say, you know what? You're not doing enough. Or if you are, he'll tell if you are if you're if you really aren't doing enough, he'll tell you you're doing too much. Whatever the truth is, he'll just tell you the opposite. He'll tell you uh, you're doing too much and and you just need to relax and maybe you need to step up. Or he'll tell you that you need to step up and do more when when you're already doing enough. He'll tell you you're wrong. He'll tell you everyone knows that you're a fraud and that if this was really your spiritual gift and your grace from God, it'd be a lot easier and you'd understand it. Everybody knows you're just faking it. Everybody's judging you. You're just in the way. Why don't you shut up and go sit in the back row and let somebody else do this? Come on. We've all heard that. Yeah. I feel like fraud most of the time. And the devil likes to rub my nose in that. There'd be somebody else that would do it better than you if you just shut up. God made us with differing gifts according to his grace, and the gifts are his grace. Before we move on from here, I want to, to unlimit your thinking. In this context, in Romans and in 1 Corinthians, we know that when Paul talks about gifts from God, he's talking about tongues and prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. I intentionally don't want you to limit this verse to the nine gifts of the Spirit. Because there are many other things in Scripture that are labeled a gift of God. So maybe you do have the gift of tongues. Maybe you have a gift of word of knowledge or some other gift of healing. Or the Bible talks about the gifts of helps and administration. And there's this nine gifts of the Spirit. And there's five gifts from Jesus. And there's about six or seven from the Father. That, but also... The Bible says that when the tabernacle was being built, God says, I have put a gift of my spirit in this particular artist to make beautiful things for my tabernacle. He says, I've anointed him with my spirit for artistry. The Bible says that Daniel, because of the gift of God, was ten times smarter than anybody else, any, any of the wise men in Babylon. His intelligence was, this, was the gift of God in his life. Pharaoh, speaking of Joseph, says that he was, he was such a great governor because the Spirit of God was in, her, was in him. So government, understanding how to lead a nation, was Joseph's gift from God. Hello? So those aren't listed in the New Testament as gifts of the Spirit, but God specifically says that they are gifts from him. So don't limit what you think your gift from God might be to the nine gifts of the Spirit. Maybe your people skills are a gift from God because there are some of us who don't have natural people skills that are just in amazement at the ease with which you take care of people and you converse and you're, you make people open up and you give counsel or comfort or nurture and so maybe it's your teaching people skills. Maybe it's your teaching skills. Maybe you take care of kids. Um, maybe it's just you there being available to hold a hand, somebody who needs it. That's the grace of God operating in you as a gift in that moment. Your talents and skills, wisdom, those of us who aren't natural musicians can look at 
Pastor Ted or somebody else that plays a bunch of instruments and just be in awe. I understand music. I know the key signatures and I know the notes on the keyboard and I can read the music, but playing it is a whole different deal. And how he can play so many different instruments, it's just amazing. It's a gift. And those of us who don't have it know it. Those who have the gift maybe think, well, everybody should be able to do it because I'm nothing special. Well, great, but you are. That's your gift. That's your gift. But maybe it's not music. Maybe you have a gift of construction or mechanics. Like that's the thing that you love. It's the thing you understand. You're like a mechanical wizard. I mean, there's nothing you can't just whip out, just build it. And like, I don't have that gift either. I do what I do because I can't afford to somebody to pay to somebody else to do it. That's why I learned what I've learned. It's not, it's not my gift, but maybe it's yours. You have a mechanical skill or construction or a tech something or other. You, God gave you the gift of web design or just understanding electronics and all of that. Maybe it's art. In the book of Acts, there's a woman named Dorcas who dies, and Peter comes and raises her from the dead. But in between those two things, in between the time she dies and between when Peter raises her from the dead, Peter walks into the house where the funeral's going on, and it says all of her family and her friends show Peter the clothes that she sewed for them. Now, hang with me here. At her funeral, they're crying because they miss her, but the thing that meant the most in their hearts about her was that she sewed me this shirt. She did it in love. She, that's, that's her grace gift, was sewing. Hello. At her funeral, they weren't talking about what a great prophetess she was or a great Bible teacher. Like, she sewed us these clothes. This is what's left of her life that means something to us. Her sewing meant so much to God, he saw fit to record it in his eternal word. Serious. Her sewing was her charisma. It's her gift of grace for God because that's what people loved about her and it's how she showed love to other people. Amen. So maybe it's your sewing. Maybe, it's, maybe you have a, a talent and a skill for beauty. Either it's art or decorating or landscaping. Uh, you just have a knack for that. You see things that other people are like, I don't care what color it is. I don't care where the plants go. Just put them in the ground. But you're like, no, there's a, there's a way to do this and make it look good and make it look right. And there's, and, and I can, I look at Aaron's painting and I, if I tried what she does, I could copy her motions and it would look like a third grader did it. But she, hers looks like Bob Ross and it's great. So your, maybe your spiritual gift is just, is labor. You're like, you know what? I don't, know a whole lot of stuff, but I love to help other people. I love to volunteer. I love just helping other people get their to-do list done at the church or at home or, you know, just there are people like, there's guys like that in the church who just gung-ho on helping other people just whatever, cutting firewood or cleaning out a gutter or, or whatever. Maybe yours is writing. Maybe it's cooking, Come on, Mitch. Cooking is not the grace of God. Cooking is a necessity. Well, sure, but maybe some of you really, really love cooking, and you don't just cook for yourself. You cook because of love. If you love to cook and you cook because of love, 
And you're the, you, you love to take in real service and self-sacrifice, you take care of other people. We've got a group of people who provide meals to new mamas that come home from the hospital or people who come home from a surgery or whatever. And if you're doing it grumbling and I signed up because I have to, that's a different deal. But it's like, yes, I, I want to do this. I love to take care of people. That may be one of the gifts that God has given you. Yes. Amen. Maybe it's government. Maybe you're a natural leader. You have understanding and wisdom and leadership skills that, other, that others don't have, like Joseph or Daniel. Maybe it's financial, like Joseph or Daniel. Maybe your gift of grace is organizing and cleaning. Maybe that's your special skill. I mean, most people don't love that, but you really just get off on organizing a jumbled closet. Oh man, we're going to get these totes and we're going to line them up and we're going to color code them. We're going to label them all artsy with a Sharpie and, and I'm going to know where everything is and oh, organizing. If that's you, that is a gift of God because most people don't like that stuff. There are some of us who really, really get off on organizing stuff and making it neat and cleaning and yes, it's the grace of God. My, whole, my point is don't, don't just... Think that this is like, oh, I'm not an intercessor or a prophetess or a healer, so I, I don't know what my gift is. Whatever you love to do that you do in love, that you're good at, that other people are like, wow, I wish I was more like that. That's your gift of grace. Amen. It may be a spiritual gift. It may be that you pray for three hours a day and that's just, that's your service to God and other people, but it may be just super practical and natural when it's done in real love and it's a skill that you have that you can, that other people don't have that you can serve them with, then, then go for it. So God has given you a differing gift. Every single beautiful face in this room is a completely different package of charismas. Hello? No comparisons, no judgments, no jealousies, no shyness. Don't be shy. Don't hide who God really made you. Don't be ashamed. But God gave you that gift. You can either benefit yourself, make money, draw attention, build an Instagram following, <laughs> whatever, with your super skill. Uh, or you can benefit the kingdom of God, and, or you can just waste it all. You can just scroll online all day and make absolutely nothing out of your life for yourself or God or anybody else. And there are people that do any one of those three. I'm here to suggest to you that you invest what God has given you back into his kingdom. Not just for yourself. Your skill to make things beautiful is not for your own house. It's for his house. Right? I don't know exactly how you could use mechanical skills for the grace of God, but there's probably some poorer folks or some widows or some young people or whatever who would need some free mechanicing work or your building skills or whatever. Harvest, our youngest daughter, has a love for animals that, that our other three don't possess at the same <laughs> level as her. I, you know, I don't know how, how does her love for horses and, and FFA show pigs, how does that glorify God? I don't know, but if she asks, he'll tell her. Crystal Peaks, a horse ranch that I asked you all to go and listen to their, to their story and learn about their ministry. Um, couple in Bend that had a heart for abused horses and abused kids. They're like, you know what? Let's have a ranch and put them together. And hundreds, if not maybe thousands of kids 
come and they, they pair them up with abused horses and it's amazing what the Lord has done in people's lives through this couple's love for horses and Jesus. It's the grace of God. So, whatever grace he gave you, use it for his glory. Of course, you can earn a living with it. And of course, you know, if your grace is web design or, or um, mechanicing, earn a living with it. Great. But use it for the house of God. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Turn a little bit of a corner here, but I'm going to combine them for you in just a second. God says to Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. This is where Paul is at the end of his rope. He says, whatever his thorn in the flesh was, we don't know, but Paul says, I begged God to take it away three times. Paul tells God, I cannot do this anymore. Please take this away. I cannot go on, God. And God says, my grace is all you need. My chorus. Hello? My chorus is all you need because my strength is most perfect when you are at your weakest. So God's gift of grace in you is not just your super strength, the thing you're most talented at that makes you you, the thing you love to do, the thing you're the best at. It's God's great gift of grace to you is also what carries you in your most desperate weaknesses. And really, it sounds like opposite ends of the spectrum, but it's really the same thing. Because when you're being super awesome, accomplishing things, and everybody's like, wow, how do you do that? That ain't you, that's God. And when you're over here at the absolute end of your rope, I'm not going to live through this week, God, if you don't save me. That's also not you, that's God. So God's grace is just everything. It's all God's grace. When you're doing what you can't do, Either great things or just barely surviving. When you're doing what you can't do, that's God's grace. My grace is perfected in weakness. God's grace is a gift to you when you know what to do and when you don't know what to do. That's pretty much all of it. God's gift of grace is not just your special talent or your knowledge, but also the endurance and the strength and the grace under pressure, miraculous power in impossible circumstances. God's grace is... Yes, his grace is the thing that's your specialty, but it's also specifically the thing you know nothing about and you have no way out, but he makes a way and you do it. And actually that is the same thing. It is God giving you either in your weakness or in your strength impossible things that other people are like, wow, how did you get through that? How did you do that? How did you create that? How did you... How did you not lose your faith? How did you, how'd you accomplish that? It's all God's grace. Amen. Amen. So, God's gift of grace in us is, makes us superhuman. Either to do things that are, the people, that are impressive to other people, or we live through things we didn't think we could live through, and he makes a way. His grace is his power. Notice God says that right there. My grace is all you need. My power works best. It's the same thing. His grace is his favor and his salvation, but it's also his power working in you, either for strength or just survival. 
It's his power working in you. And in 2 Peter 1, he says the same thing. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. By his divine power, may he give you grace and by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him. What happens is we come to know God more, we get more grace and more power because they're the same thing. God gives us grace as we come to know him. He gives us his divine power, gives us everything we need to live a godly life. Both in the great moments and the terrible moments, we have everything we need. And we receive that by coming to know him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have this. You don't have a charisma. In Jesus, you get given a Holy Spirit gift that is empowered by God. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. But as you come to know Jesus more and more and you know God more and more, that God's power comes into you and begins to operate your gift. We would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. God's power is his grace. His grace is his power. And there's two ways that gift operates. In your personality and your skills and what you contribute to society and family and church. And also what God does in you and through you specifically when you are weak. And when you don't know what to do. His grace is in the good and the bad and the talents and the endurance, the strengths and weaknesses, basically everything. It's all God. It's his power. So you have charismas. You have gifts from God, talents, skills, strengths, endurances, weaknesses, a testimony of his, how he got you through your, your divorce or your catastrophic sickness or whatever it is that he healed you from and brought you through, all of that is his grace. Right now I'm going to turn a little corner here and it's going to sound like I changed the subject, but I didn't. We'll come back to it. I got another, another piece of the puzzle to put together here. So 1 Corinthians 4.1 says, Paul says, consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. The Bible word is steward, but our modern English word is manager. Paul says, consider us servants of Jesus as stewards of the grace of God or managers. Whatever gift of grace God has put in you, you are the manager of that gift. You, you manage your spiritual gift, you manage your talents, you manage your time, you man, everything God has given you, you are the manager of it. Well, let's talk about what a manager is. In the modern world and in the Bible, a manager or a steward, is the Bible word, works for an owner. The manager doesn't own the business, the manager runs the business on behalf of the owner. You all have either been a manager or you've worked for a manager, either a great one or a terrible one. Every hand should be up. You know about managers, okay? You either are one or you've worked for some memorable ones. <laughs> Sarah and I had a great manager at the restaurant we worked at in college and afterwards um, had some really terrible ones too. But the manager isn't the owner. The manager works for the owner, and, but runs the business. The manager has a high degree of authority from the owner. The manager hires and fires. The manager makes business decisions. They buy and sell. They run the shop. Because the owner specifically doesn't want to do that part of the business or however that arrangement works. A manager also has a high degree of autonomy. The owner of the business does not hire a manager so that the owner can micromanage the manager. 
and question all their decisions and stop them from buying and selling and firing and hiring and all the things the manager is supposed to do. If you've been a manager and you've worked for somebody who did that, it's miserable. A manager should have a high degree of autonomy. That's their job. So the owner, if he's or she is a good one, will not micromanage the manager. I hired the manager to manage the employees and the product and the sales and the advertising and I just rake in the profits. And I pay you if you do a good job. I pay you well. Okay? It's time. This is Jesus and us. We're stewards of the grace of God. High degree of autonomy. I'm not going to micromanage you. You do the job that I gave you to do. But the manager has to know the owner's goals and priorities because otherwise we're going to cross wires and the manager's trying to do one thing and the owner's trying to do another and somebody, somebody's going to be unhappy. Probably somebody's going to get fired. So the manager's not there to do whatever the manager wants. The manager is there to do the will of the owner and, and accomplish what the owner wants to do with their business. But, but then in the daily working of the business, work it. Do your job. That's why I hired you. Take care of it. Don't come to me with every question. Just do your job. Hello? The manager's job is to earn a profit for the owner. The manager is going to be evaluated by the owner on performance. Did you make a profit or not? Uh, the manager is going to be fired if he or she is lazy. In Jesus' parables about managers, a couple of them are executed for stealing from the business owner or the king. But if the manager does a good job, there's going to be a big bonus at the end of the year. Big bonus. Thank you. You've earned a great profit. Here is your motivation. Here is your part in what you made for me. Well, guess what? This is Jesus and you with your charisma. Here we go, Matthew 25. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus is talking, uh, telling a story, but he's talking about him and us. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man who goes on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. The servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have also earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, this is Jesus in his kingdom hiring some managers. Here, I have this silver for you to do business with. 
Make me a prophet. This is, this is your charisma. Here, this is my deposit to you. This is the gifts I entrust with you. Do business until I come back. Come on, hello? Your charisma, the gifts that God has put in your personality, in your life, the things he's given you to do, that's his deposit to you. It's, it's a bag of silver. Here, I give you this singing gift. I give you this writing gift. I give you this artistic gift. I give you this financial wisdom. I give you this government leadership skill. I give you this decorating skill. I give you this people skill. I give you this servant's heart. I give you this teaching gift with kids. Use it for my profit until I come back. Jesus is hiring a bunch of managers. Here's my money. You don't own the business. You don't own the gift. You didn't think it up. You didn't earn it. It's his. I give it to you. Manage my business. And a manager has high degree of authority. Here's my name. Do business in my name until I come back. You use your gift like I would. And don't be shy about it. And don't hold back. And don't wonder, does Jesus want me to do this? I'm hiring you to manage my money. Manage it. Do it. I give you a high degree of autonomy. You know what? It's great if you have questions, but I'm going on a long trip. Here's the gift. Figure it out. Thanks, Jesus. Great. No, he trusts you that much. He will give you very valuable gifts. Remember, this is talents. How much is a talent? Remember? Many pounds of silver. Yeah. The very valuable gifts that Jesus deposits in us And then he leaves. He trusts you that much. I give you this. You do business till I come back. I don't need you to call me and ask for permission to use the things I gave you for my kingdom. Just do it. Go for it. The light is green unless I tell you not to. Go. Be bold. Be brave. What's the guy that buries it in the ground? What's he says? I was afraid. Come on. Well, you only gave me one, and the other guys had two and five, and I figured they could probably do a better job than me, so I just sat in the back row and kept my mouth shut because I was afraid. Hello? I was afraid that I would do something wrong, and I'd get in trouble with you, Jesus, so I just didn't do anything. I didn't want to screw it up and waste it, so uh, I wasted it. Come on now. I'm talking to a whole bunch of you. You're, look, you're comparing yourself to other people. You're jealous of that their skill is better than yours or your skill is different than theirs. And so you just, you're just quiet and shy and don't do anything. No, go for it. Whoever Jesus has made you to be, use it for his glory. Go for it. Do it. You have a high degree of authority. You have a high degree of autonomy. And it's, yes, you need to know what the boss wants. Okay, boss, what'd you give me this bag of silver for? He'll tell you, but you don't have to call him every five minutes and ask for permission on how to invest it and how to do business. Just do business. Just take care of people. Just pray. Just worship. Just take care of people. Just serve. Just go. Just go. If you know what, in general, the business owner wants, if you know what Jesus wants, then then just go for it. And in the end, he will return and he will evaluate us on our performance as managers. And the lazy get fired and 
Another parable says that the thieving get executed, but those who are faithful get a bonus. Big bonus. When he comes back. Yeah, come on. And notice that the one who had five doubled his money. The one who had two doubled his money. And Jesus is just as happy with four as he is with ten. He's just as happy. You don't have to compare yourself. Stop comparing yourself. If somebody else has more musical talent or more teaching talent or more whatever, just double Jesus' investment in you. You do not want to come to the end of your life and stand in front of Jesus and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And you don't have an answer. Any, any attempt is better than nothing. Attempt. You'll find out some of it will work. Some of it will be a mess. Some of it won't be right. He's not worried about it. You never met a businessman or businesswoman or investor who didn't lose something on some venture, some risk. It's all risk, and Jesus knows that. So take risk. Serve him. Some of it won't work. He's not angry. Just keep going. Keep the business going. So we're managers. 1 Peter 4 says this. As each one of you has received a gift, a charisma, serve one another as good stewards, there's that word again, as good managers of the manifold grace of God. Manifold means, it literally means many folds. If you know a mechanical manifold, you know that's full of stuff to Manage noise and exhaust and whatever. The jewelry word would be multifaceted, like a diamond with many surfaces. God's grace has many different surfaces and expressions, and that's all of us. We each manage our own piece of the manifold grace of God. As a faithful steward, manage your gift. And it is so simple. How do, we man- how do you manage your gift? How do you work that out in real life? Serve one another. It is that simple. You don't have to understand spiritual mysteries. You don't have to have a famous outlet online or, or some stage with thousands of people to address. Just take care of the people around you. Specifically, this means fellow Christians. Just love God and love the people around you in the way that God has gifted you. And you're a great manager. And Jesus is pleased. Amen. Thank you, God, for each piece of your manifold grace that you have deposited in each person in this room. Each person that bears your image right here, looking at me as I speak. Lord, you've made each one differing gifts. Manifold grace. Thank you for your simple instruction. And what to do with that. To serve other people in your name. To do business until you come again. Thank you that we don't have to be afraid of you. That we don't have to worry. We don't have to judge or be jealous or compare ourselves to anyone else. That you have made us completely unique anyway. And that's what you wanted. You did it on purpose. Because you needed this gift in this person, right here in this family, in this congregation, in this valley. You know exactly where to put each person, Lord. You know what each one of us 
is supposed to do. I pray, Lord, that those who have buried their talent out of fear of messing up or fear of being themselves will just let the guy with five talents do it because I don't have that much. Lord, I pray that you would grant boldness to just begin stewarding that grace, that grace gift that you've put in the one-talent folks, that they wouldn't be ashamed at what their gift is and they wouldn't insult it or put it down or think that it's small or unimportant or somehow less spiritual. If that's you, folks, you need to repent. You need to say, God, I'm sorry I belittled the gift that you put in me. I know I'm supposed to cook for your glory. I know I'm supposed to build for your glory. I know I'm supposed to decorate for your glory. I know I'm supposed to practice my instrument so that I can, I can play for your worship. You need to repent of belittling the charisma that God gave you. Unbury it. Take a risk. Invest it in the kingdom of God and watch Jesus multiply it. And you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, he has a gift for you. He has a, a gift of grace and we would love to introduce you to Jesus. And he will move into your heart and you will be born again and you will know the power of the grace of God in your life from that moment on. Lord, I bless each person here. Thank you for the manifold grace that you've put together in what we call this church family. Thank you even church to church, Lord, that we don't have to be like any other church and no other church has to be like us. We just love each other and bless each other and we realize that there's different graces. Thank you, Lord. We bless all our sister congregations all over the valley, everywhere where Jesus is named. We have so many great congregations and pastors and teachers and worship leaders. And Thank you, Lord, for the manifold grace that is on your church in this valley. We bless you. We praise your holy name, Jesus. Amen.